0: Hi, this is Cody Daigle-Oriens. This is Neil Daigle-Oriens. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Thanks, Charles. Yeah, thank you, Charles. Uh, You'll have to listen to the unedited version of this episode to know what that means.
1: Easter eggs. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And it's almost May. How nice is that?
0: Absolutely. So before we get started with the podcast this week, I wanted to give a shout out to our friends at the Flame On podcast who were really awesome enough to give us a mention in their latest episode. So if you haven't checked out their podcast, you really should. They cover anything and everything you want to know about gay geekery. Comic books and movies and TV and all that. Uh, and they also tackle some of the political and social issues that we do around here. And they're a really awesome group of guys, and their show is one that I like to listen to every week. So go check them out.
1: If you say gay geekery too fast, it sounds like you're just stuttering.
0: No, but... Uh, well, Gay geekery. geekery but they're awesome. And they're the Flame On podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. So go check them out. And uh, thanks again, guys, for uh, mentioning our little show. there be a your link show. in the description on yeah, our website. We absolutely do. So a few weeks ago, we talked about North Carolina and HB2, which, uh, as we all remember, was a sweeping anti-LGBT piece of legislation. And it stripped local governments of the power to craft LGBT protections and also enforced some really heinous restrictions on transgender folks in public and school restrooms. Now, uh, remember, that bill was rushed through an emergency day one day session signed into law by the governor in less than 12 hours and um, really is really does extensive damage to LGBT rights and protections in the state of North Carolina. And so this week I wanted to check in on some of the responses that have come from HB2 over the last uh, few weeks and talk about some of the different tactics that businesses and individuals and artists have taken to combat this new law and then uh, just kind of share what we think about them, Like look at some different takes on how to fight this bill. Every time you say
1: HB2, I think, what's going on with the Chamber of Secrets?
0: Oh, because it sounds like HP 2. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, and, and interestingly, that took place in a the bathroom. There are things scenes in the bathroom there. Oh, wow. Trouble in the bathroom. Trouble in, in the bathroom. The Chamber of Secrets was, in fact, where all the trouble was. So let's talk first about a guy named Charlie Camaro. I don't know if you have heard of him. Camaro? Like the car? No, C-O-M-E-R-O, Camaro. Oh. Charlie is a transgender man living in North Carolina who came up with a really cool way to address these the the these terrible implications of the bathroom bill. He printed business cards that he carries around and passes out to anyone he encounters when he has to go into the women's bathroom in public places, um, explaining his presence in the bathroom. Uh, So here's the text of the card that he passes out. This is what it says on it. My name is Charlie. I'm following the law that was passed on March 23rd. I'm a transgender man who would rather be using the men's room right now. This is likely uncomfortable for both of us. Please contact your legislature and tell them you oppose HB2. I think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool and um, it's it's a novel way to address the implications of that bill in a way that's immediate and impactful for the individuals that he gives the card to. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I just feel like that's got to be a terrifying experience regardless, having to use a restroom like that in in such a manner. And then having to... Feeling the need to make business cards to um, almost justify your presence, being like, "I'm just trying to be a law-abiding citizen." Like that sounds terrifying and awful, and I can't imagine what that would be like. But it is. It does sound like they're um, trying to take take this terrible thing and, and turn it into turn it into
0: activism. Peeing, peeing can be activism. Yeah, is what we're learning today. Well, this is what he said to the Huffington Post, The truth is that when folks in the general public are called upon by fellow citizens who happen to be transgender to be curious and compassionate about what it's like to be a transgender individual, it sticks more. It's a new thing for many, and there are many of us, myself included, who are willing to educate and speak with them from a place of love and compassion. That is the purpose of my cards, to show an amount of absurdity about the law and to educate folks about what transgender means. And... What I think is really cool about what he's doing is it, um, it harkens back to what we talked about last week about the power of the individual, how um, sometimes activism is most impactful when it is done on a one-to-one basis, when you as a person from a marginalized group takes a stand and and shares your story and your experience with someone who doesn't understand it and those things stick. And as we talked about last week, these interactions can sometimes lead to long-term changes in people's attitudes about uh, issues and things they don't understand. So I think it's really, I think this is really cool. I thought it was a really interesting way to address that bill. And I agree. He's incredibly brave to do it because that could certainly lead to some very awkward interactions.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even just unsafe.
0: Right. Or unsafe. unsafe. ones. Yeah. One of the other responses to this Bill was by composer Stephen Schwartz. Uh, and if you don't know who Stephen Schwartz is, Stephen Schwartz is the composer of the Broadway musical Wicked. He's also responsible for the musical Pippin and Godspell, which uh, both are produced a ton by community theaters all over the country and other off-Broadway and Broadway shows. And um so Stephen Schwartz had his own response to the bill, this is the new law in North Carolina, and his response was to ban all productions of his work, uh, these really big, work, big, big musicals that are produced often around the country, to ban all productions of them in North Carolina until the law is reversed.
1: And that does that include like the touring cast that includes of all wicked? the
0: all the touring companies of his shows which like right now wicked and Pippin are both national touring uh, touring nationally so and and they sell incredibly well so that's a lot that's serious money lost for presenting organizations but it's also affecting community theaters and schools who would normally pick these shows to do it their own you're not allowed to do his work in North Carolina in any mm. capacity until the the law is um Removed. It seems like that's
1: almost a punishment for the gays. I completely agree. It's like, haha, ha, you're not gonna let trans people into your bathrooms. Well, then the gays in the
0: community theater cannot do wicked. And uh, granted, it is a stereotype that only gay people are in theater. But, but I agree. I, you know, he, he, this is he says this about it. Uh, he said. Quote, I feel that it is very important that any state that passes such a law suffer economic and cultural consequences, partly because it is deserved and partly to discourage other states from following suit. And so that that's like sort of the spirit of what he's trying to do. He's you know saying, you know, if you're going to pass these kind of things, there should be repercussions. But let's be honest. I don't think the people who support this bathroom bill are necessarily going to be hurt by the fact that they can't go see Pippin or God spell. I mean, I really feel like you're mostly going to hurt people who are on your side. Mm -hmm. If you're going to damage the theater community, you're probably harming everyone who agrees with you and Mm -hmm. who supports the rights of trans people and LGBT protections. So, yeah, I don't know. I this seemed to me like a a less than successful way to combat the bill. He's trying. I mean, I think if you said that, um, you know, like. Maybe if he forced Republican lawmakers to do a production of Godspell, like they had to put it on, which I'm not like, I'm not a fan of Godspell. So that would be punishment to me.
1: Oh, yeah. Could he rewrite his contract so that um, proceeds of any of his productions have to go to a
0: trans advocacy organization in North Carolina? I mean, he certainly could have done that, but he didn't. What he just did was say, you can't do them. Joel McHale did something similar. Which we're going to talk about Joel McHale, yeah. He took a very different tack. He uh, had a performance in um, in Durham, which is in North Carolina, after the, the bill had been passed. And instead of canceling his performance, instead of removing his work from the community, he donated every penny from that performance to the LGBTQ Center of Durham in North Carolina, uh, which... I think is awesome and is exactly what artists could do to really make a big difference. If you're gonna take people's money to perform, you might as well do it in a subversive action. When he did the performance, he w- created a shirt he took a, t- a gray t-shirt and used black tape to um, spell it LGBTQ on his on the shirt for this performance in Durham. And then he donated every dollar to uh, the LGBT organization. So this is what he said he told the audience there was a moment where I wasn't going to come tonight. What the F is wrong with your government it's crazy. I know you guys are cool because your city council passed a resolution opposing that stupid effing bill. So it was like, Let's go to that place where they support the destruction of that bill. Ooh, yeah, and I think that's really cool. And what I what I feel is the, sort of the difference between what Joel McHale did and what what Stephen Schwartz is doing. Joel McHale is actually addressing one of the challenges of fighting this kind of legislation. He's actually putting his money where his heart is. And that's a good thing. To just say, um, I'm gonna take away your right to do it might take something away from you uh to fight this thing, uh doesn't necessarily help anybody. But to go and do the thing that you do for like Joe McHale do this like great comedy evening And take all that money that he would have just pocketed and left North Carolina to leave it in the state that needs it with the people that can use that money to fight these things, I think is awesome. And Laura Jane Grace, uh, who is the openly trans uh, lead singer of Against Me, um, is... They against me had a show that was going to play in Durham, actually, and they have announced that they are going to continue with that performance, that they're not going to cancel it. They're going to show up in North Carolina and they are going to play, which uh, is, I think, sort of awesome. Here is what uh, Laura Jane Grace has said about um, their performance. I'm even more eager to play North Carolina because of the bill. Let me know if there's any activist groups that can come to the table and to the show. So she's really creating a space that not only for them for her fans to come and see the show, but uh, she's encouraging active, activist groups to come too and make this concert like a real activist happening to create visibility for trans people in in the state, which I think is pretty fantastic. I just love the
1: idea that Laura Jane Grace is going to come to North Carolina and just be so unapologetically trans in front of them, and she's going to use all the women's bathrooms that she can possibly find and just be the teenage anarchist that she sang about a couple albums ago and it's going to be great it's i'm i'm excited i'm also a little terrified i'm also a little scared for her but um as i'm scared for anybody in north carolina right now um but i'm i'm really excited to see her take this as an opportunity to make it into an activist moment um and I'm also excited to read her journals about it later, years years down the
0: road. Let's let's read about it. Yeah, uh, she says this as well. Visibility is more important than ever. To go there and have the platform of a stage to stand on and speak your mind and represent yourself. They live here. She's speaking about trans people in North Carolina. They live here. They pay taxes. They are prisoners to this law. And uh, I think that's uh, an important thing to remember. That it's it's one thing for us to. Um, to condemn the state as a whole and to say like North Carolina is North Carolina is bad for this piece of legislation. But there are LGBT LGBT people who are living in this state and they are there. They're, it's not that everybody can just up and move tomorrow because a bill, a law sucks. Um, Same with other states that have similar bills like Mississippi. Mississippi, which is even worse than North Carolina, to be honest. Yeah. Um, as a state or the bill. The both. I mean, both. And Mississippi's in worse shape than North Carolina as a state. Is it, it's really always on the bottom of all the, the listings, along with my home state, Louisiana. We're neck and neck at the bottom. Uh, but the Mississippi legislation that passed recently is even more sweeping and more damaging to LGBT protections. Like in Mississippi, businesses can literally refuse service. That's now defensible in Mississippi. That's... So it went beyond what North Carolina did.
1: Just, just one step, one step closer to that Jim Crow. Just, yeah,
0: let's just go, go all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and speaking of Mississippi, Brian Adams uh, canceled a concert there, so he took a stand as well to sort of cancel his work in Mississippi, speaking out against it. So it's not just North Carolina that's facing these issues. Uh, Tennessee is now facing these, and I think I read uh, an article there are over a hundred bills like it in. Um, local and state governments around the country mm-hmm. that are, are similar either in pieces or in whole cloth similarity uh, to these bills that we've been talking about. That's for the last two couple per weeks. state. Yeah, like. it's a lot. It's really a lot. Um, and so I think... In thinking about all these different responses to you know, and you couple couple these responses with the like, PayPal wasn't going to set up their business in Louisiana, in uh, North Carolina. Bruce Springsteen canceled a show. He canceled a a show. There were businesses that were uh, planning to move to North Carolina that now are not going to. Uh, The NBA canceled a game in North Carolina. So the this these kind of corporate effects of these corporate and, and cultural effects that happen when you pass negative lgbt legislation um, hopefully it will it will deter other states from mm-hmm. undertaking these bills and passing them
1: well and like there's there's a lot of criticism coming from that where um, people say like um, it's trying to force a certain moral code upon people that that's trying to force a certain moral a standard um, upon a group of people who are trying to actively go against that, and I would just simply say that um, the government has done and does do simple, s- similar things. Um, unfunded mandates. The state of Louisiana, when they were trying to keep the drinking age at eighteen, and the the government, the federal government was trying to raise it to a national standard of twenty-one. The federal government was like, "Fine, you don't get any funding for your roads until you do this." So. That's how they got Louisiana to do that and it's just it's it's similar PayPal saying like fine We're not going to open an office here is very similar to that. It's a very similar tactic It's like well if you aren't going to be a state that has our standard of of How we treat our employees then why would we employ your people if they legally don't have the same protections that we as a company in general always offer so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and it sucks. It also sucks too because it means that those LGBT friendly companies are not going to North Carolina. So that means LGBT people are not going to have access to those jobs where they know they're safe. And that's kind of like the double-edged sword where right. it's like you're you're not just hurting the state itself, you're also hurting the queer folks that, who live there. So I feel like there's there's a valid criticism from both
0: both sides of that well and I think too with that on that point the economic point in in the places where these LGBT anti LGBT legislation these bills are likely to pass are probably and more likely states in which LGBT people are not super wealthy I mean these are gonna probably they're in the south these aren't you know it's not like New York and California passing these laws it's Mississippi and North Carolina South Carolina Georgia these places where on the whole LGBT people are not exactly rolling in dough the the those economically disadvantaged LGBT people are they're in more significant numbers in those parts of the country than they are in other places and so there isn't an option to just move out of the state you know it's I think it's very easy for some people to say well if you don't if you're if you're gay and you live in North Carolina and you don't like it just move someplace else that's not easy to do for everyone well not possible would it
1: be more subversive for PayPal to set up an office there and only hire queer staff absolutely right like how radical would that be it would be gay pal well, it would be
0: amazing
1: gay for paypal gay for paypal but hashtag gay for paypal but like um something like that would be way more radical and they could use the actual legislation itself mm-hmm. to justify it it's like well you say we're we we're allowed to discriminate based on sexual orientation so we're discriminating against heterosexual people mm-hmm. and we're allowed to discriminate based on gender identity and, spex- and expression so we're were discriminating against heterosexual, cisgender, um, and cisgender expression. Like you can totally flip, like that's the problem with these laws. They're not very well written. So you can totally flip them onto their heads if you wanted to. Like that would be the more radical thing. Like if a big company would go there and be like, okay, only trans kids and queer kids can work here. Sorry about it, straighties.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing.
1: That would Yeah, that would be super radical. Well, like, I
0: feel like, you know, but of course the obvious reasons Big big businesses are not going to make those kind of radical decisions because they're I'm start by a, nature conservative. And
1: I'm going to start a change.org pe- um, petition to Google to have them open up an office in um, in Durham and only hire queer folks using the North Carolina legislation to justify their hiring decisions.
0: I love it. Let's do it.
1: And we'll start an Indiegogo while we're at it. We'll start a Patreon. Um, we're going to get all the queer kids, all the queer monies.
0: I think it's that would be amazing.
1: Let's do it. And then we'll get matching tattoos with all of them. Sounds great. Because I for haven't PayPal. Had a tattoo Hashtag in forever. Gay for PayPal.
0: I want a tattoo really badly. Everybody
1: um, go get Gay for PayPal
0: tattooed on your stomachs right now. So if you are um if you're out in North Carolina Uh, Go support artists who are still willing to go out and play and maybe donate their money. If you go check, if you're in Durham, go check out the Laura Jane Grace concert when that happens. And against me, support those businesses and organizations that are... If you don't uh, like that music, go donate to the thing Joel McHale
1: donated to. Because, I mean, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> I get it.
0: No, but but I, th- I think it's a, a valid point. If you really are interested in helping communities that are suffering from anti-LGBT legislation, a really easy way to do that is to simply donate funds to organizations that are working in those communities to help make change happen. Um even a small donation to grassroots organizations and communities is very it can be enormously helpful so if you can't get out and do a stage of protest in North Carolina stage a protest with your debit card and get online and give them 10 bucks uh, to organizations that can use it and uh, you're helping make change happen
1: hashtag gay for PayPal hashtag protest with your debit card hashtag give us your pins um, what was that last point oh.
0: <laughs> so the other big topic I wanted to talk about was uh, an article that I read today, actually, which I thought was kind of interesting. So there's some research about marriage. Marriage. Now, I love The Princess Bride.
1: I know you do. Uh,
0: So there's no research about marriage that is suggesting that same-sex couples, married couples, are doing better than opposite-sex married couples, that they are getting divorced at smaller rates. Overall, globally, in countries that have had same-sex marriage, uh, marriage equality for a much longer time. And then some of the reasons that they think that's true, I think are rather interesting and be fun to talk about. So here's a little bit more about the research that uh, has come about. In the Netherlands, which has had same-sex marriage for the last 15 years, is finding that um, only 15% of male-male marriages have ended since marriage equality passed, as opposed to twice that for opposite sex couples. Their national average is about 30. It's about 30. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's, Pretty amazing. That sounds um, really
1: low, too. By the way, considering it's a fifty percent chance for America.
0: Absolutely. Um, also, the Williams Institute did some work in Europe and found that uh, in 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 some of the European countries where that's true, uh, the numbers about twice as many straight couples separate each year than gay couples. And does that is that meaning married couples or just mar- couples? That mar- jumps- married couples. Okay. That they separate. Married couple. Married straight couples separate uh, twice as often as married gay couples Mm -hmm. um so what are some of the reasons behind that or do you have more stats um well those are kind of the basic stats that in general around the country same-sex couples are divorcing at lower rates Mm -hmm. and that that's also maybe true in america or that's yes well we're still the numbers so far correlate to those things but we don't have like super hard fast numbers because marriage equality is still a very new thing so here are some of the reasons why why they have thought that this this trend is is true and I thought we'd kind of break them I'd go down each one and we could just talk a little bit about them. The first one is um, just uh, by nature of demographics. on average, same-sex couples demographically have a higher level of education and income than their straight counterparts. This a research has shown this that same sex same sex married couples married have couples. a okay. higher level of education and a higher income level than their straight married counterparts, and those two factors, higher level of education and higher level of income, correlate very strongly with successful relationships. We're smart and we got dough. Yeah, uh, and that, so that has stick
1: together, baby.
0: Right. Well. Well, and not so much because of those things we stick together, but having a higher level of education and certainly having more money causes less friction in a relationship. So a relationship that has those things will last longer than one that doesn't for sure. You know, if you have more money, you ain't fine about money. Well, we, we've
1: got the smarts going in our relationship. Um, jury's still out on the money.
0: Uh, The jury's not out. The, there's no money. (laughs) Court is
1: not in session anymore.
0: (laughs) No, no. Um,
1: um, feel free to donate to us at PayPal.
0: (laughs) Um, One of the other factors that they have found that uh, help same-sex married couples is that uh, in the Netherlands in particular, and also in other parts of the country that have marriage equality, same-sex couples wait longer to get married and tie the knot when they are older. And those marriages typically succeed more than otherwise. That's probably a cultural thing that
1: we don't grow up with the idea of same-sex and marriage we we don't we don't we don't grow up with um an idea of marriage outside of the heteronormative bounds of a male and a female. So I mean, I wonder if it's just like a cultural thing like we aren't pressured to get married as
0: early. I think it's absolutely mm. true. I mean, I know my heterosexual counterparts uh growing up in in the south were pressured to start pairing off and having families kind of as soon as they left high school and that was not the case for me. I was not. Mm-hmm. They were just like <laughs> Shh, keep quiet. <laughs> Don't tell anybody what you are. Um, that's not totally true. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think that heterosexual couple heterosexuals are more pressured to pair off and get married sooner than than same sex couples.
1: Then than the gays copyright. Yeah,
0: um, sixty four percent of straight couples in the Netherlands got hitched before they were thirty five. but seventy five percent of gay men who got married waited until they were over thirty five. That's interesting. Yeah, I, that also probably historically too. W- without, you know, coming of age in a time where marriage equality is not a, was not a thing that existed, there are significant parts of the the LGBT community that really never thought about marriage as part of their plans. So, if it does, it's you have to sort of like warm up to the idea and incorporate it into your expectations for yourself. Um, unlike straight people who.
1: That are, exists.
0: It exists from the second you're born. Thanks, that, Disney. Yeah, that you're going to go and get married. Another of the, the the things that are affecting this difference in marriage uh, are changes in gender norms and our evolving sense of gender norms.
1: So, um, So when you say that, do you mean like like, that's actually tearing straight couples apart, or, yeah. ooh, girl. Yeah, that, um... that kind of excites me for, like, I don't know if I should be excited about that, but I do I do love the idea of being like, Martha, why didn't you make the dinner? Because I was working, Jeffrey. Yeah. And then Jeffrey being like, well, I want a divorce because you didn't make a grilled cheese for me. And, and then she's like, you can make your own grilled cheese. And then he's all like, I don't even know how to eat an apple without slicing it, and I can't slice it. And
0: Jeffrey's very... He needs he needs some help. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like in this scenario, Jeffrey deserves a divorce because no. so Martha he's, is her own woman. She's Martha strong. is she's strong. She's independent. She's independent. Um, she don't need and no And I man. don't. I just don't think that. What's his name again? Jeffrey. Jeffrey. I don't think that Jeffrey's ready for this. It's jelly. Jeffrey spelled with a G. I gotcha. That's yeah. But no, yeah, <laughs> I. I adore that whole narrative that just got created for Jeffrey and Martha.
1: Mother, Martha left me again.
0: Um, but yeah, the, these, uh, the evolving, evolving gender roles are wreaking havoc on heterosexual couples. Haha,
1: feminism finally yeah. it's working.
0: Yeah, it's you know because the people come into marriage with certain expectations and when our evolving ideas of what our individual roles are gender-wise change, it causes those uh those more traditional roles to be questioned. I love that so much.
1: I I genuinely I I know it's ter- being a child of divorce myself. I know it's terrible, but that's also really exciting to me for some reason.
0: Well, and then also too, even even otherwise, even if you hold on to those traditional gender roles, if you're in a same-sex relationship, you don't have the binary. You don't have the division of responsibility. Mm-hmm. You just have like us. We just have two guys, and that's so, why
1: I made grilled cheese today.
0: Yeah, like you. That's right. You made lunch today, and that's that's why we have to figure out then how to divide. The roles of the relationship quote unquote whereas with the heterosexual couple because of all of our expectations of gender you kind of come into it and you fall into expectation um and then so the last bit is the uh and now it's time for the sexy one i knew it Uh, the 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 last key thing bearded fruit
1: at night right
0: the last key reason for for gay couples or queer couples and this also they called them that in this article too is that queer couples are more likely to practice non-monogamy what then they're heterosexual no yeah yeah and those the freedom and the flexibility of non-monogamy helps a couple stay together longer
1: that existing in
0: anybody's relationship, let alone. Well, you know, straight couples, the idea of uh, fidelity is kind of key to the notion of marriage. And Mm -hmm. uh, queer and or gay couples don't have those same expectations because we've never really had those expectations.
1: Um, I think you missed an opportunity to call them sexpectations.
0: I did miss an opportunity to call them that. Charles, can you roll back the tape, Charles? We have more open sex expectations. There you go. Yeah. And that openness, uh, couples who practice non-monogamy tend to stick around longer. Mm Mm-hmm. They tend to like work it out longer. They're they're more they're not going to be ruined by an affair or an or adultery, an an act of adultery that won't end a a marriage. Whereas a a heterosexual couple who is really strict on monogamy and fidelity, uh, cheating might end the relationship. The other thing that non-monogamy does for couples, uh, because non-monogamy is a negotiation and you have to be really good communicators and it requires a great deal of communication, couples who practice non-monogamy successfully are generally also better at dealing with other issues. They're able to navigate problems in a more successful way because they have to have these advanced communicative skills to practice Non-monogamy. That's that's
1: where Jeffrey's problem lies, really. He just never communicated his feelings. Because gender roles, because men are not expected to have feelings, let alone communicate them. I'm really excited for Disney's first Polly Princess.
0: Yes. Snow White and the Seven Husbands.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist. The Seven Husbands are married to each other, and not Snow White. She's just she's just their best friend
0: she's just their best friend she is the maid of honor at their wedding and they go at their to, seven-way wedding at their seven-way wedding and they go um out on the town for evenings of fun and frolic and she meets she has seven wingmen <laughs> she meets another disney princess and they fall in love oh yeah Aww. and then they share a girlfriend yes
1: oh disney make it happen i
0: love it pixar that should be a pixar film absolutely well, that does it for this week. Uh, I'm sorry, we just got a visit from Coco Pelli. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you Coco Pelli for that uh enlightening
1: contribution. Uh <laughs> i don't know where we were before coco pelly moved
0: in i don't know but it, it's you know i think coco pelly's been crashing on our couch yeah. it's a pullout for those of you who don't uh know what's been happening in connecticut winter has seemed to have lasted for nine thousand years here and we're just starting to get spring weather and i think we're getting a little stir crazy and actually happy that warmer um, weather's coming
1: it's been lasting for five hundred twenty-five thousand six hundred minutes and that's what
0: rented right absolutely um So uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes and subscribe. uh, Leave us a review or some stars. We really appreciate it. You can also find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit. Like us there to get more information about the episodes and uh, the show. You can also find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. And we'll see you next week.
1: Coco Pelli, do you have any um, closing remarks?
0: I agree.